Hey, yo, what's good? It's your boy Wings and 24 Karat Kev. Hello. And you're tapped into the Take Fight podcast, bro. Today, his guest, bro, is from Australia, but relocated to Los Angeles before the age of 20. Came back with a diamond record, bro. Yes. Diamond record. Come on, it's hard in the building. Woo! Let's go, yeah, bro. Hard in the bro. building. <laughs> How you doing? We have to hype up the entrance, bro. We have to hype up the entrance. <laughs> no, for sure. How you doing today, bro? Thanks for rolling through. Yeah, chilling, man. Chilling with the guys. Ain't doing too much today. Might go studio later, but, you know. Had to come through the boys, so love. My guy, my guy. Right, right, sure appreciate it, man. I appreciate likes. your time. You were saying this your first interview, bro, or first yeah. video interview. Yeah, i never done an interview before. Reasoning behind that, you just haven't got to it. Bro. I just haven't really got to it. You know, I haven't really been like focused on my personal brand. I've been just working really loud out there, trying to build. Mm-hmm. You know, time to- It's time to kick, uh, yeah. kick it up a notch, bro. All right. Mm. For sure, for sure. You're based in the States now, obviously, mm-hmm. majority of the time. Um, Let's take it back to the start, bro. Where'd you grow up around Sydney? And like, what was it like for you growing up? What was a young life of Han look like? I mean, shit, we moved around a lot. We lived mm. in a bunch of areas. We used to live in like Maryland's. True. Lived in Ride. Mm. Now my mom lives in Rose area. But shit, I was always like traveling around, catching trains everywhere. So I never really like stayed in like one area. Mm. So yeah. Just here and there. Yeah, man. Yeah, here man. And there, just, what was life like? Just chill. Life of a young kid. Were you a little ruckus? I mean, something like that? Yeah, I was a naughty kid. You know, I was skipping school a lot. Wasn't going to school, just going to the studio, linking up with the boys. Come on. You know, being out doing dumb shit, but. Life of a Sydney kid, to be honest, bro. That's it. Look, I read that your dad had a bit of an impact on your music side of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At what point did music go, you know, from just something that you like to do for fun to like something you wanted to focus on? I mean, shit. I never really knew like the straight route I wanted to take, like as a producer necessarily. But mm. when I was like 15, I was like, fuck school. I don't want to do school. So that's like really why I went to music because I'm like, I just gravitated towards that because I just knew I didn't want to study. True. So yeah. When did you start becoming like a part of, obviously down under, it's a small scene of people still. Mm-hmm. When did you start like linking into the music scene down here and the people around out here? When I started making music, I was like 14, 15. And I'm like trying to discover like what's the hip hop scene in Australia looking like. So I found like Manu Kirks mm. and all them boys, you know, Amphoros. And I kind of just started studying that. And I was like, yo, I'm trying to be part of this like little scene that's starting to bubble. What kind of yeah. music were you making back then? Were you like producing at the time? Cause I was like rapping, singing. Yeah. I was doing everything. I was engineering. I'd have like some of my homies that rap that was coming to my house. You know, I'd record them. True. Produce shit. Like I, I, I didn't like pick a lane though. Okay. Bit yeah. of this, bit of that. Mm-hmm. But you've been around. Yeah. You've been yeah, around. Yeah. Sure. You've spoken about being underage and having to sneak into shows back in the day, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, that was a big part of your life, your young life, and you and your friends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can you talk a bit about what you were getting up to around that time and, like, what you think Australia can do to better support under-18s, bro? I mean, shit, they got to, first of all, like, start opening up concerts and, like, shows to, like, 16-plus, I feel like, at least. Because when I'm, like, 16, I'm trying to go to all these shows and, like, be in the scene. I, I wasn't able to go. I had to sneak in them. Get a fake ID, I guess, you know, all types of shit. But I would just say they got to, like, embrace young people being able to come out to events instead of making everything 18 plus. Facts, bro. Yeah. And I, I got to take this moment to shout out to, I'm sure you know Lee, mm-hmm. Lil Lee for coming through the tea up Shout out Lee, the little yeah, tea up events, bro. Sure. They're doing their thing and they're packing those shows out too. It yeah, just proves yeah, yeah. what happens when you can put a bunch of under 18s into a room and the energy that comes out nah, of it. for sure. Well, I mean, shit, when I was 15, mm. we was doing these events called Die Lit. And it was like these little parties you were doing because we were like, we can't go to concerts, we can't go to clubs. I was trying to DJ and I had my friends who were trying to perform. So we're like, let's just do our own show slash party thing. And we was doing that. And it was getting like 500, 700 people coming. There so it go. was crazy. Yeah. Come on. Mm. So uh, any any memorable, memorable gigs that you uh, snuck into back in the day that uh, particularly stick out to you right now? The biggest one that really like impacted my life a lot was the Monocrook show. Which one was that? 
He had like a show in like, I don't know where it is exactly. It's like near the Opera House. Oh, the, the hangar. The, the little hangar the thing. The boat thing. Oh, yeah, you know what I'm talking overseas about? Overseas passenger terminal. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah so he was having a show there with a bunch of other Aussie acts, like I think like B-Wise mm -hmm. and like, I'm, I can't really remember who else was performing, but it was like the, one of those kind of shows was 18 plus. I'm like, yo, I'm gonna just jump this show. Like, I was a massive like Travis Scott fan back then. So I was like, yo, I was really into like this mosh pin, like, like raging type thing. So I'm like, yo, I'm gonna just like jump this show, whatever, whatever. I get back there, I jump like the fence and I jump on stage and I just like jump straight in the crowd, like much like stage dive. Come on. And I was like, fuck it. Like I was just full sent back then I was just do dumb shit. Like I wasn't really thinking like about consequences or whatever. Mm. But like cause of that, that's how I met like all those boys. I met Ziggy from mm -hmm. that and he hit me up from he hit me up from that for real. Did he hit you up because he was impressed with your stage dive or <laughs> Yeah, he was like he was just like he hit me up and they're like, yo, you, you got crazy energy. Like, I don't know why he did that, but like they just seen what I was doing. And he actually hit up, he actually told Leroy, because he was managing Leroy at the time, he's mm -hmm. like, yo, you should, you got to get this kid to be a DJ because he got mad energy. True. So that's oh. like really how like that that's shit kind of sparked. started. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you met Leroy. So from that brief interaction, what was your first impressions of, of him when, when, when you had that interaction? Because he performed there too. I remember seeing I don't know, I think maybe like Manu brought him out. I got yeah. kicked out by then, so I don't know, because oh, the security <laughs> just kicked me out. He did but. perform, but I remember that there was some controversy about it because it was Red Bull and Red Bull can't have Underage, people that young like performing the so there was like a whole again. thing yeah, about yeah, it I yeah. remember yeah yeah I guess so well shit I didn't meet them at the actual show like we kind of like I think shook hands or whatever but that's just kind of like the interaction which like I guess I left an impression and I met that's how I just like got introduced to all those boys and that's how they all remember me I guess from that 100%. that one show I guess yeah so any advice for youngins out there just be outside jump the fence and stage dive <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean I would just say like a good example is like what, that, what Lee's doing basically is just like being out there, even though you're young, can't necessarily get into everything. It's like trying, like, be everywhere, like, omniscient. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. try and be everywhere all at once. And just get your face out there and just be on the move, like, no matter what it is. Because you might meet someone, something might happen that might change your whole life. Thanks. Hey, trust. Yeah. I've seen Lee um, on the cold streets of King's Cross trying to get into the Central Sea after party <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with his mom there. And his mom's like, can you get him in? And I'm like, fuck, I don't really, I don't really yeah, know. He's, exactly. he's a beast, bro. Beast. <laughs> he is a beast. Shout out to Lee one time. Yeah, shout um, out to Lee. So sometime after that, you sold all your belongings, got a one-way ticket to LA to DJ for Leroy. Mm -hmm. So what was that like, especially being so young, you know, mm -hmm. going across the world? Take us through the day that you actually left. Was it kind of just like a trip out for you? You know what I mean? I mean, really like my mom was scared and shit, but I dropped out of high school at this point. I dropped out after year 11. I was like, oh, fuck school. Mm -hmm. Almost mad pissed at me. But, you know, I was like, I don't really got any other opportunity. This is the only thing I could think of that's big. Like if I don't take it, I'm just a pussy. You feel me? So... He's over there, he's like, come out, come out, I got a room for you, yo. let's do these shows. I'm like, shit, I saved up my last dollar, I did like one DJ gig, I literally spent my last money I ever had on a one-way ticket to LA, and I just flew out there. And literally, there was three months I was out there, you know, I met, I got to meet Juice World, who was traveling, touring around with Juice, and just like really seeing like what it could be, and I kind of really opened my eyes to like the whole world, mm. for real, uh -huh. yeah. What was the hardest uh, possession that you had to sell at that time to get that plane possession? ticket? Trying to think, I, nothing was really hard because I didn't really like have any like holding on to anything. But I just sold my clothes, shoes, mm -hmm. anything I had really. Yeah. I think I sold no, I sold my computer actually, my PC that I had that was work, worked on everything on. I just sold it and just like had everything on the hard drive. But I was like, fuck, I don't got out of here, right? Yeah, you can find another computer in the <laughs> yeah, states. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I look, yeah. You mentioned that your mom was a, a little bit scared about you know obviously being so young and traveling to the states. Mm -hmm. Was there a point after you got to the states that she started to realize oh he's actually making a name for himself and, and he can do big things out here? Or 
I think, sometimes I feel like for parents, it's a bit hard to understand the music stuff. You know what I nah, mean? Nah, yeah, that's the big. That's the hardest part is they don't understand like what it is because especially in Australia, no one makes it and no one gets to see the opportunity. So it's like an unrealistic expectation. But I guess when she was seen, I was out there and I was just with like big artists like Juice World and everything and like living the lifestyle. She kind of already kind of understood like it was something, mm-hmm. you know, but she's always been like supportive whatever I did. Like even if it was some something real small, I feel like she would always like, she would never like tear me down. Mm-hmm. She's always pushed it for sure. Beast shout out to mom. So. Shout out to mom, bro. Yeah. Shout out mom. Look, people in Australia got a lot of thoughts about what LA, what Hollywood, what the vibe mm-hmm. over in America is all about, right? When you went over there, was it what you expected to be? And was it something that you found hard to fit in or was it, you know, you just pulled up and you're like, let's go. It definitely was an adjustment. Like, it wasn't what I expected it to be, but I feel like I'm a malleable person. Like I'm easy like to learn new things and be around new people and like just like adapt, mm. I guess. So it wasn't too hard, but for me, I feel like to really get somewhere, you have to throw yourself in the deep end. You feel me? And like put yourself in uncomfortable situations around new people to really learn and like come out strong. If you if you're always somewhere comfortable, you're never gonna like evolve as a person. So. That's the whole reason I feel like it was important for me to go out there. 100%. Like, yeah. obviously, you had the issue here of not being able to get into places under yeah. 18. When you were over there, you were under 21. Did that become yeah. a, like a thing that you had to push yourself into again? I mean, really out there, if you were with certain people and the right people, you could basically get anywhere. It's mm-hmm. not really like, they're, really, they're way more lenient too. Like, they're not really strict on age stuff. You can you can get anywhere really. You could probably just pay, pay like security or whatever. And <laughs> you get yeah. True. That's really. True. Yeah. yeah. So, um, You've packed all your belongings into a suitcase. Your whole life's in this one suitcase. You land in mm-hmm. LA. Can you tell us about the first memorable night or first memorable interaction you had with anyone over there that kind of really, you know, shaped your journey there? I'm not too sure. I got to think about that. Because like, I feel like everything that was going on out there was like happening so fast, but everything was like super like impactful to me. Mm. But I think just, I think the best things I learned or I like, got to see was like, traveling around with Juice and like mm-hmm. being on the Jets and touring and like seeing them shows and like being behind the scenes from out there I was like yo this shit really possible you know and seeing like what the lifestyle is of someone who's like that big mm. yeah. what was it like meeting Juice because obviously you're a big fan yeah. so not only did you go from just being a fan but you went to traveling connecting yeah. on a relationship I'm, I'm guessing on a decently close level mm-hmm. what was it like you know, getting to that level with him, coming from just a little kid in Australia, yeah. who, you know, would have just been idolizing this guy. Next minute you're friends with him. And is there anything that, you know, he taught you along the way that you've really like kept to you to this day? I guess it's the fact that you just got to keep going no matter how big you are or how what level you get at. You just got to keep going hard and like literally make it your whole life to be like this one thing mm. and just like be in love with it and passionate about it. Mm-hmm. That's like the one thing I learned. 100%. And yeah. what was it like touring around with him, bro? I mean, sure. shit, it was just fun. Like, yeah. Just, you're going from being a fan, just seeing everything from overseas to like being right there. It's like, I don't know. I can't even describe the feeling, cool. but it's just, yeah. Mm. Did you have any interactions with him that you feel like maybe the public didn't get to see? Because I feel like, you know, as fans, we look at rappers in a certain light and we see them on stage and so on, so, so on and so forth. You know what I mean? But yeah. you obviously having spent all that time with him. Mm. Is there any interactions you had with him that, you know, you think that the fans haven't seen or? The one thing I remember him saying that was crazy that really like, I was like, all right, we could do this was... When we came back, so we came, we went over there, and then like two months later, he was doing an Australian tour. Mm-hmm. So we had come back with Juice to do a tour around Australia. Laura was opening everything. And I was DJing. I remember like the first show we did, he was like, he, he, cause he never really understood like what we were doing. Like he never understood the sh- impact of Australia. Like American artists, they don't really understand how like big Australia is, mm-hmm. or how it's like a real scene. They always think it's like a fake country. Like they don't really understand, <laughs> right? So 
when we came and we did the show and he seen how crazy the crowd was going, how how much these kids love this, they was just like he was just like to us, just like, yeah, like, like y'all stars, like this shit, like this shit crazy. And I was like, Yeah, we could do that one. Yeah. You said that, yeah. That was that moment. Yeah. That's hectic, yeah. bro. And and I guess on a more serious note as well, um, obviously when Juice World passed, it was it was big news all all around the world. Yeah. Um, how did you cope with that, especially, you know, someone who I guess was very formative to to your journey in music yeah. and personally as well. How did you cope with that whole situation and, and how do you continue to cope with that today, you know? I mean, shit, just keep going hard and like everything we do is in respect to him because it's like Without him, there's no us. The legacy he built, everyone around us, you know, G Money, Bibby, Great A as a label, like we're all connected through him. And because of like his story and what he did, we all be, are able to like live it on. So, facts, bro. That's, that's it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You just mentioned Great A. Obviously, mm -hmm. that's the team you're still rolling with to this day, right? Yeah, for sure. You, Bibby, Bibby's obviously <laughs> the go to guy over there. What mm -hmm. was it like when you first met with these guys? Like, did you know a whole lot about them before you got there? Nah, I really didn't because I wasn't like, when I was growing up, I wasn't like super into like the whole Chicago drill scene that much or like whatever, but I really met him over there and I was kind of just like, I didn't really know what to expect. It was just like me and these two brothers from Chicago and it's like the way they speak is all different, the way they communicate, like this, everything's just mad different, but it was cool because we always had something to connect over just being like from two different places. Mm -hmm. It's always like a topic of discussion, you know, just like trying to understand what it's like for where they're from and where I'm from. It's just always like... Two opposites. Yeah, opposites. like even to this day, we always talk about like how different we grew up or whatever. Was yeah. there anything that you've noticed is like they, they've pointed out as like com the complete opposite from Australia to Chicago? They're like, bro, is it really like that over there? I think the hardest thing for them to understand and grapple is that there was like a street culture out here or like a drill culture. Mm. So we put them to like Australian drill music and stuff and they just couldn't understand it. and they were like, wow, like our music impacted that because you know Chicago is where like drill music started. So... Yeah, it's really like, they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Everything, to be honest, yeah. They still think it's a fake country or not? No, nah, because they've been, <laughs> they've been board, here, but... They're on board now. Yeah, they've been there and seen us, and they're like, wow, but to this day, they're like, that's crazy, yeah. Mm. How important do you reckon linking with Bibi and Grade A has been to, you know, the career that you've formed now, bro? I can. I think that's probably, like, the best, most impactful, like, relationship I've ever had. Mm. It's because they just, like, taught so much. It's like, they're really, like, my big brothers, so, like always teaching us every day, teaching us how to like interact with people and just like keep us work mentality on. It's really like lead the ship as a team because we, you know, we're a whole team over there. So without them, it's like nothing. True, bro. So, yeah. Shout out Grade 8, a whole team over yeah. there. Um, at some point, you obviously went from just being Leroy's DJ to being a, a full-time producer, right? Yeah. I don't know. Were you fully DJing for him over there? Like I know you went to yeah. do that, but did that happen? No, yeah, when I went over there, I was fully DJing. I wasn't, I didn't even fully start producing. I always like, That's they right. always know back in Australia, I was like doing everything, kind of yeah. like making music, engineering, like a mix, everything, but I never like picked the lane. Mm. But you know, a few of the boys from Australia, like Anthony mm. and you know, uh, Khaled, they was telling me like, bro, you have like this talent for music and like understand music. I'm always in the studio with all these boys. Like, why don't you just start like producing and take like that lane seriously? Because DJing is like one aspect what I was doing but it wasn't like this is what I want to do you feel me I was just like always half in it and then when I went out there I'm like yo I'm in the studio I'm gonna just start making beats with them and like we just started making songs and I just started going hard with that I'm like this is what I'm gonna do 100% and that was yeah. what like 2020? Yeah, 2019, end of 2019, 2019, yeah. See, it's what, just over three years? Yeah. To see the growth since then is ridiculous, bro. Oh, Absolutely sure ridiculous. I'm blessed. Who who do you think helped you the most when it came from, I guess, transitioning from DJ to producer? Because the goals you've hit in these last three years, 
show yeah. that you've obviously one talented guy, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> Appreciate it. You know what I mean? So obviously there's someone or a few people that have helped you around the block. Is it those are the people you just named just there? Yeah, well, Khaled, he he was like my main pro- like mentor as a producer because mm. he's he's a big big Australian producer. I'm not sure if you yeah, Khaled Rohim. I don't know. If yeah, I'd say yeah, it probably, he's bro. got some hits under his belt. And so when I started producing that, he's already teaching me. He, I'm already watching him in the studio, like make the shit. Okay. And like he's teaching me how to maneuver. Also giving me pointers on the business and like how I should maneuver as a producer and getting placements and songs and everything like that. So having someone like him really is the reason why I was able to like just go fully into it and not like be unaware of like how I should move or like how everything works. But yeah. Could you imagine yourself doing anything different now? Like you could have taken, like you said, you're doing all these different things, but you obviously chose the path of producer, bro. Yeah. Which so you're saying like something different, like, a, yeah. like not producing? Yeah. Not really. I can't imagine something else, but I definitely want to move into like the more managerial and like executive side of the music industry. Mm. But I feel like I need that background in production and making music to like fuel my soul and like doing what I do. Yeah, but, 100%. Yeah, I feel like I always would have been in the world of music where it was like A&R or like managing someone or something like that. Yeah. 100%. You mentioned uh, before that you rapped and sang as well. Any chance we're going to get uh, Han back <laughs> on the mic? <laughs> nah, not, not anytime soon, but I definitely love that like side of me. So when I'm in the studio, when I work with artists, like my favorite thing to do is like help songwrite mm. and just like help sing melody, come up with melodies with them, help write lyrics, structure the song. So like my background and being able to do that, I feel like it helps me, but I don't see myself personally like getting back on the mic. Mm. Never say yeah. never though. Yeah, never say never. Wings might get back <laughs> on the mic too, man. Oh, I get mic. Uh, <laughs> we started some. Y'all, y'all both been on the mic before. There was a time, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, I feel yeah, like everyone you had that time. There was, a, there was a yeah. time, bro. I feel like everyone out here gave it a go. You know nah, what I mean? You, you got to give it a go. I <laughs> before feel like. they moved, or else you, if you haven't given it, you don't know what it actually was like or what it takes yeah. to, you know, yeah, the yeah, effort yeah. that goes into some of this shit before you get to that. Exactly, and I feel like. That's like the first step when you get into music. It's like you want to start rapping or something because that's what you see. Like that's the only thing like tangible that you see people do is like rapping. So when, like when I was younger, I only knew that that was a real career was like being an artist. I never knew that you could be a producer. That's like a mm. real career or like being all these behind the scenes people. Mm. You don't really find out until you're older. Like this is what this is what really goes into making the song. Facts. And that's it. That's a big lesson for a lot of people out in Australia right now as yeah. well. You know. A scene needs a bit of everyone, bro. They exactly, need people doing sure. the production. They need people doing the beats. They need people yeah. managing people. Good, good managers too. Yeah, Not someone definitely. who just gives it a go for a second and moves on. You know, uh-huh. all parts. Someone doing interviews right now. You know, to create a whole culture behind yeah, it. Of course, need, you need people like you to like make everything. everything what it is. Love, bro. So obviously, Wings mentioned that um, yeah, you've been producing for just about just under three years now. So mm-hmm. to have a diamond hit under your belt is a very, very crazy accomplishment for anyone that doesn't know. Diamond is. 10 times platinum in the States. So it's a big track. <laughs> uh, so obviously your work on Stay, how's it feel just to sit back and look at that and be like, this is literally one of the biggest songs in recent history, you know, any genre. I mean, shit, shit, it feels unreal, but all I could ever think about after that is like, I gotta get another one now. Mm-hmm. And that's probably like the worst thing, the worst feeling, but the biggest blessing is like, now we gotta get another diamond hit or we gotta just make another song that does that. But I think more importantly than the record, it's like everything that comes with it, comes with with the music. Mm. Speaking of stay, before we move on too far, bro, obviously biggest thing mm. just yet, right? Biggest thing to ever come out of Australia in this scene, let's be dead serious, bro. Yeah. It took them a while to uh, acknowledge it out here in the uh, awards department, but it, it came around. I saw yeah, you yeah. talking about that a few times on Twitter here and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you mean X, X. How X, sorry. Oh, X, yeah, X, that's the name. Come on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was it like? Because obviously I read about it and read that, you know, obviously Justin Bieber wasn't on it to begin with. Yeah. At the point where you saw or heard that Justin Bieber was getting on it and then you heard 
his portion. <laughs> what was your thoughts then that you're like, all right, we got a Bieber record on our hands, bro? I don't even know. Like, what, what, really what happened was the song, we made the song like a year before it came out. Mm. So it was like a demo that we made before it came out. And then Baby heard it. And this is when like Justin just started hitting Leroy. So Baby's like, yo, this like this the record out of all the records we got. Like, this one you got to get Justin on. And everyone's like, you sure this the one? This the one? He's like, yeah, this the one we got to get him on. And when we heard it, it was just like fit perfectly. We're like, yeah, this is a hit, right? When we, right when we heard it, we're like, yeah, this is a hit. But I don't think none of us understood like the level or like how big it would have ever been. But you know, we just like, the song itself, we're like, yeah, this is a hit. 100%. Yeah. That's <laughs> history, now, bro. That's it. That's it. So another Australian uh, production duo, FNZ, they were also mm -hmm. on the track. And you mentioned Khaled Rahim before, uh, giving you some words of advice and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So being, you know, just some of the few Australian producers that are really making waves in the hip hop scene overseas, do you guys like keep in touch, like, you know, work together, this and that? Yeah, of course, collaboration all the time, you know. We send stuff back and forth. We all got our individual camps and other individual projects we work on, but we you know we'll connect over like certain songs. Like F and Z, they're known for like sending out loops. I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with like loop making, mm -hmm. but like samples and stuff. So they've been going crazy right now with like doing a getting a bunch of cuts with like Drake and Future and Kanye and all that. So they got a big lineup. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, is Khaled over there as well? Or? Uh, I think he moves back and forth here in yeah. in Sydney. I'm over here like majority. Of the, I'm over there majority of the time. Like I only get to come in once a year, but I want to come back more often. Like start building up the. Australian come on like culture and stuff yeah. I mean on. off camera we were talking about you know a couple of producers like 99 Hertz yeah uh, Cam as well so mm. like there's mm. definitely seems to be like a younger generation of producers also coming up following your footsteps and you know taking taking that leap over to LA or, or New York or wherever it may be yeah now nah, I've been telling all those boys I'm like y'all just gotta come out there like try and even move if you can for a short amount of time and just throw yourself in a deep end and like just take that risk like you might go over there spend all your last money whatever but it's like the relationships you're gonna build and the lessons you're gonna learn from being on those sessions it's just like you can't you can't put a price on that facts bro mm. obviously with the huge spotlight you've got and you've made a name for yourself over there bro comes a little bit of backlash here and there yeah. online there was a whole whole little comment section going off when you dropped feline Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, about, about the uh, juice world's feline, about the mix of it. Yeah, but how yeah, did you, how have you gone about handling that side of things? Because obviously this isn't something a lot of people back home in Australia have to deal with. Obviously you get a little bit of hate on TikTok and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But coming at a a worldwide level, yeah. How is it something that you've handled since you've just got it? Like backlash and yeah, stuff. Yeah, bro. I mean, you just can't never get too caught on the internet because in the end of the day, those kids don't know like what's the family you go back to, what you got to deal with. They don't pay your bills or anything. So it's like, they're just kids that have whatever opinion they want. So you just got to like take it with a grain of salt at the end of the day. But, you know, sometimes it get annoying when they're trolling and it's like, like overact. But like, at the end of the day, you can't really care about it because whatever you got going on has nothing to do with the internet at the end of the day. Facts, like. man. Did that mix ever get fixed? Like, did you ever find yeah, the original Yeah, it got files? fixed. That, that's the main thing is that a lot of these kids on the internet, they don't know like, what's really going on behind the scenes mm. and what's really happening. So they, their perception of it is like never really the truth. It's always just whatever it is. So, so with rap music, hip hop in Australia, um, I think especially the past couple of years, there's been a lot of talks about, like, you know, people making it overseas, breaking into the US and, and how hard it is because of this whole accent thing that, you yeah. know, that, that, that American audiences might find it very hard to swallow an Australian accent. So 
coming from the point of view of a hip hop producer, how mm-hmm. did you feel it was going over there? Do you think you were able to bypass that because you weren't on the mic? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Or did you still face a couple of people who were kind of like, oh, he's, he's Australian? Like, was there kind of pushback in that sense? Or no, I don't think there's any like animosity towards like different like cultures and accents. Like, they kind of embrace it. If anything, they're just like excited. Like, wow, well, you from another country? Like, whatever, whatever. Because in the day, well, in production, doesn't matter what accents. You know, if anything, we bring like some sort of flavor or a different type of sound just because mm-hmm. of what we listen to over here. It's still not too far off though, but as artists, I would say it is definitely like a struggle getting over the accent thing, but there's ways always around it. And like, even with singing like British singers and Australian singers, they're always gonna sing like an Americanized accent anyway. So it's like, hmm. I don't think it's too much of a struggle. I don't know what you're doing over there now. Are you still showing people over there Australian rap when you get the chance? Is there still Yeah, yeah, the like whenever artists I'm, I'm fucking with out here, like I'll play it over there. And what, what's America, because we hear it from all different, we get different people going in there. We've got R&B artists trying to show people. Yeah. What are the people that you've talked to still saying about artists out here? Like what honest opinions, saying, bro. Like, and like, are there any artists on people's radars out there as well? Besides obviously people like Leroy or Iggy, bro. You know what I mean? I mean, the main one I really like show is like Sahil. He's True. like, oh, Saxo, I don't, I don't know whichever one it's easier to say, but he's like the main kid that I kind of show people out there because he was like my little brother, but... Mm. They just say it's like they like I feel like they would accept anything like that's kinda similar to the sound they got going on there. But I'm not too sure about like like what what, what artists you thinking about? Look, when we're gonna think the biggest people, I'm gonna go straight to someone like one four out here. Because yeah. that's someone who I don't know, I could imagine them fucking with once the accent gets a bit Yeah. You know? I mean they fuck with like the culture in terms of, like when they watch the music videos like damn this is kinda sick, like mm. this is kinda like how our shit is over here. Mm-hmm. But I think the accent is just a hard thing for them to go over because the slang they use and what they're saying, like it'll go over their head so they're not getting all the bars or whatever mm-hmm. artists are doing out here. But I like I was saying, I think what needs to happen is there just needs to be more like international collaboration with like with artists fucking with with Australian artists, UK artists, whatever, just like making songs together. And that's how it's gonna like leap their hurdle. Cause now Central C is starting to make big waves in in America and like mm. even his accent's funny and they're getting used to it. But now like songs like Doja and like Drake's working with him, like I think I think people are starting to get like less uncomfortable with the accent. That's the thing, yeah. like Australia and UK obviously fucking with each other heaps now. Yeah. Like we obviously love the UK so much, mm-hmm. but at least the artists over there are starting to show the love back and fuck with other artists over here too. Yeah. I guess it just takes time. Like you said, Central C is nah, about yeah, to jump sure. on some of the these big records. Yeah. He's got the one with Leroy and all that coming out. Mm-hmm. Anyway, huge yeah. bro. It's interesting you brought up slang as well because it's really smart how Sench did that whole LA Leakers freestyle where he was explaining mm, British slang, slang and yeah. the whole thing. And I'm like, fuck, he is actually a genius. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> someone got to do that, that in Australia. Someone got to do something like yeah. that. Look, being from someone from uh, Australia who's now working mm. over in the US most of the time, yeah. you've obviously interacted with some of the biggest artists in the world, bro. From seeing how they work and what they do over there, what do you think maybe Australia needs to do that needs to change up in, oh, bro, how do I explain this one, Kev? I guess just like grow the scene in a healthy way that's organic yeah. and 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 to true to it itself. Simply. Like what, like you saying what what Australians need to do or yeah. what in we the industry could do to or help, yeah, a bit of both, bro. Whether it be the artists or the industry, something we can do to help grow the culture and the scene out here, bro. I think there's just got to be more heavy emphasis on like on like like I was saying, like international collaboration, yeah, just yeah. like working with all all types of artists, no matter what, and then. I think there just needs to be a level of like more consistency because mm. I feel like over there you have artists dropping like every week almost like dropping three projects a year like Drake's dropping like two products a year mm. singles and features like I feel like there's not enough like songs dropping like everyone's trying to emphasize on like a, a one month rollout for one song when you're only marketing to a small crowd of people but if you keep trying to like build a fan base 
that's the, probably the best way. So I think everyone got to focus on like being consistent and like building a fan base. Yeah, come on. We talk about yeah. building a fan base all the time. That's number one yeah. out here, man. People like, need no one's focus. building fan bases these days. I feel like people are just trying to drop and like catch a hit and they want to catch a hit. Everyone wants that TikTok fame. Yeah, bro. the TikTok hit. So it's like, I feel like if you just focus on building a fan base, even when you do, when that TikTok hit comes or whatever song comes, it's like now you have the foundation yeah. to help for your next single, your next song drop. Yeah, I feel like nowadays, especially, there's a big difference between just getting a hit song and people actually caring about you as an artist, as an artist, as a person. You know what I mean? And I feel like because of playlisting and because of radio and because of TikTok and stuff like this, that the the difference between those two is just widened so much. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's good advice for all artists out there. I think upcoming, you got to get people to care about you on a personal level as well. Like it's all well and good to make a hit song, but what's after that? You know? Yeah, and I think like Americans will be open to fuck with Australian artists and being fans of them. It's just there got to be a reason, you know, there got to be something to connect to. Mm-hmm. So once they're like, once there's more stuff coming out of here and I feel like the connection, that international link up is just going to naturally happen though. Come on. And just like American labels picking up Australian artists. Cause you know, we have some of the best exports. We just, they're just like diamonds in the rough that we got to find. To get them over there. Yeah, yeah. But there's so much talent here. That's what I always say. I always say to people over there, like some of the best producers I know are from in Australia. They just have no artists to work with. Or no, they're not getting their production out there, but they have like the best talents in me. Just need mm. that extra little bit of hustle or someone to make yeah, that connect over there. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Just no one could be fucked taking that 20 hour flight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but look, it pays off, bro. Hey, speaking of the big links you made, Obviously pinned to the top of Instagram is your photo with Drake, bro. What was that interaction like? And was there any conversation there? Was it anything or was it just a one-off me, bro? It was like a one-off me. You know, it was a crazy interaction though. He was just talking. This was like right before he dropped Certified Lover Boys. Mm -hmm. He was just talking about his album. And like when he was about to drop it, this was like when all that Kanye shit was going on. But it was just like a chill, Mm -hmm. you know, nothing too crazy. But yeah, it was just like blessing to meet. I mean, Drake, he's one of my favorite artists for sure. Come on. You've obviously yeah. worked with a heap of artists over there too. You know, Polar G, yeah. Stunner Gambino is like one of my favorite dudes oh, right now. Oh, you fuck with Stunner? That's, like my, that's, my, that's my brother. So yeah. hard, bro. Oh, yeah. You need to tell him to come over here next. I think I told you to tell him that yeah. one. Just get him to come over Well, I'm here, trying bro. to get him to come over a couple of weeks for the little TJ thing. I don't know. Oh, it might on. be too late, but like either next year or something, I'm going to get all the boys come out here and just work because – Every time all the Aussie boys come over to America, all the producers, I get them all in the studio together. It's mm-hmm. like, it's crazy link up. But yeah. Now it's time to bring them back. Yeah. Is there anyone that you've hopped in the studio with that even you've thought to yourself, fuck, I'm here with this guy? Shit, like, like working-wise or just being in the studio with him? Oh, maybe just... working-wise, bro. But even being in the studio, just someone that mm-hmm. you're like, all right. To, to be honest, these days I don't really get like that feeling because I just respect everyone on the artist level. I'm never like, wow, this is like, this is such and such. But... I'm always in the studio just respecting everyone's uh, like talent and just how hard they work to get here. True. But it's just crazy just seeing being in, being in the studio with anyone I feel like it's just like a it's just an honor every time. Yeah. Tell us yeah. a little bit about that. I've seen you post a lot about him. I'm guessing he's one of your guys. I don't know his full name. ZZZ Sam is his Instagram. Oh, ZZZ. Yeah. So that's the artist I've been mainly working on. That's like the main project but super talented kid from Florida and that's like I've been putting my heart and soul into that and to building that. But yeah, he's 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 next up for sure. I think he's gonna be one of the biggest artists in the world. Come on. Uh you said that you like to create with artists in the studio as opposed to just sending out beat packs and stuff like that. Definitely, yeah. I think that's a really important thing that you touched on because um as a producer, how important is it for to have that that initial face-to-face meeting and then also just setting the vibe right before you get into the work, you know? Like how important that's, is that to the creative process? To me, that's probably like the number one most important thing because I, I mean, there's different producers, there's different type of producers. They like like making beats and pulling up the studio, playing them. But for me, to bring the to get the best song out of someone and like make the best music, I gotta have like 
like a connection on a deeper level. You feel me? Like it's got to be some sort of chemistry. I should be able to be in the studio with you and like be able to tell you like I don't like that. Mm-hmm. And certain artists, if you just met them, you can't just tell them that it's gonna be like a little disrespectful or whatever. But once you build that relationship up, where you trust each other's like opinions and intentions, that's when you gonna make the best song. Because someone does some whack shit. Same way, if I play some wax on the keys or whatever, they're going to be like, nah, I don't like that. And so I think that's the most important part is that relationship. The producer-artist relationship is probably the best in the studio. Has to mm. be done. That's one thing yeah. that people need to learn is like yeah. criticism is good or yeah. can be good if it's done in the right way. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. And even any producer, I feel like to be, because the artist will always tell me sometimes like, yo, I had a session with a producer, but you know, he just didn't say anything the whole session. Like he was just going to be like, yes, <laughs> yes. Like I want him to tell me it's bad. Like tell me like if I if you fuck with this, be like, nah, I don't fuck with this. But they don't. It's just like building that relationship and chemistry, I think, mm-hmm. it comes down to the end of the day. So as an 18, 19, 20-year-old kid moving from Australia to LA with just your suitcase, when was that time for you when you could sit in the studio and be like, no, nah, that was trash? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the beginning, I definitely didn't say that, but with LaRoy, it was like, because we was making music like for three, five songs a day, just always in the studio, I'd be able to say like, yo, I don't like this, or this song's whatever. Mm-hmm. Or we might make it be eight, eight bars into the song, and I'm like, yeah, let's move on to the next one. You know what I'm saying? So... If you with someone that you've never worked with before, it's like you don't know like how they might take this. You feel me? So, mm. yeah. 100%. And in some of your interviews, you've also stressed about how important it is for um, upcoming producers, upcoming artists to really work on their relationship building and networking skills. Yeah. Uh, you stressed it a couple of times in the interviews you've made. So looking back on your own career, how were you able to, you know, not only here, but also in LA, you know, shake those hands, make those meetings, make those networks. How did you go about that and really become you know, better at that. Like with like networking yeah. or relationship building. Yeah. I mean, you just got to be outside a lot, but every time you meet someone, you know, try to make it, make it a meaningful connection. Like, you know, try to not make it like whatever, whatever. So I feel like every time you meet someone, like have a meaningful conversation and really understand like where you can meet on certain things where it's like you meet an A&R or a manager and that might be able to connect you with someone. Just people skills, I guess. Like mm. you just kind of learn as you go. You can't really ever teach someone like, how to be a better people person. I mean, you can, but you can't like tell them you just got to do it and just be around. Yeah, I feel like that's something that comes natural more at time. Like I remember when I was young, yeah. I was a bit more shy than that. And then one day you just got to get out there and yeah, it just exactly. happens, man. Like, you just got to get in shy. people's faces or like, yeah. you know, not rudely, obviously. And it just comes with time. Definitely. I still can't talk in front of small groups, but like this is all right. But if you put like back in school, I don't know what uh-huh. you were like in school. Like school bro. presentations? Oh, bro. I hated that shit. Even I had a job not too long ago where I had mm-hmm. to do like training or business meetings kind of thing. Bro, talking in front of like 10, 11 people, still not my thing. But I can still go say But like you could do like big, you're saying you could yeah, do big bro, audiences? Yeah, 100%. Bigger ones, better for myself. When it's a big crowd, everyone just gets blurry. You know what yeah, I mean? Sure. You just don't have to make that eye contact. Come on. <laughs> so it's like the eye contact thing that it kind must of be, bro. I've never really thought about it. It's just something I'm not a kid, like a fan of, bro. Yeah. yeah. True. I think you touched on something really important there as well. Um, when you talked about, you know, making that meaningful connection, I feel like that's especially true in music because you might talk to someone one day and they might be the manager of, of, of another rapper you're working with. Mm-hmm. Then two years down the track, they might be the head of fucking Columbia. Exactly. Two years later, they might be the fucking head of editorial at Spotify. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I found that 100% with myself, you know, like my first boss in music, she now works for the people who made the 1-4 documentary for Netflix. You know what I mean? And just because we had that relationship from 10 years back, it was uh, like cooler for us to work. You know what I mean? So I definitely think in music, you know, you never know where people are going to end up so always you know treat everyone with you know the exactly, utmost respect exactly. and it's a it's a two-way street you know so speaking mm. of all the relationships yeah. and we've talked about it multiple times all the songs you've been a part of thus far right there's a heap of them bro i did a post about it not long ago go find it anyway bro, <laughs> is, is there is there a is there a favorite song that stands out to you that you've been a fan of whether it's the story behind it or just the song itself other than stay because it obviously did big things but my favorite song that i've that done personally hmm 
don't know, what would you say? What's like, what's one of your favorite ones? Come on, Kingston. <laughs> Yeah, it's already out. We need to because my my favorites always unreleased. I don't be li- I don't be a once it's out, it's out. Hey, yeah, yeah, once it's out, I don't listen I to it. Hey, on that note, can you give us any uh, exclusives about what's in the vault? What's coming? What's in the vault? I mean, just a lot of ZZZ songs and mm. Stunner songs that I've been working on that I can't wait to come out. Where's Stunner from? I know he's from over there, New York, New, New York. York. Yeah, mad. Nah, so what's the, what's, well, the got, yeah. what's one of, What's one of your favorite songs? I did. I'm trying to think. I'll be forgetting some of the songs. You got a lot of songs out now, bro. <laughs> I think my favorite. I think <laughs> my favorite. Deep thought. Deep thought right now. I think my favorite personally is probably like not sober. Yeah. Because the story oh. behind his song and like Polo, Polo and Stone are two of my favorite artists too. But I think I like that song because the reason we made that song is that we were in the studio, and I was always known like when I'm like 17 and 18 at this time, I'm like I always drink Hennessy and Coke, mm. and I'd always buy like Hennessy and I always when I'm recording I'd always have the Hennessy and Coke. So we come in the studio. I'm pouring up. He got on the mic. He said, hold up, everyone. It's mm. see with the cola. And I was like, so to on. me, it's like a personal anthem yeah, yeah, for yeah. me. So like, I'll still listen to that one a lot. Hey, yeah. Hennessy, sponsor the kid. Come on, man. Like, <laughs> Piece of a track. And the podcast too. Yeah. We need some drinks. And here. the way yeah, Sunna yeah. came in on his verse was fucking crazy. I'm not going to try and imitate yeah. it, but the way he no, came no, in on his verse. Do a little Come on. Show us a little. Come on. You got to pay me more for that, bro. Come on. Obviously, since you've been coming back, we spoke a bit before about the Central Sea after party and stuff, but uh, the playground events mm-hmm. you've been doing. So tell us about that, man, because it feels like, you know, uh, someone your age, you probably didn't experience Sydney nightlife without the lockout laws or the lockdowns or something just fucking getting in the way. So mm-hmm. now that that stuff seems to be like, you know, falling back a little bit, how's mm-hmm. it feel to, you know, get the events out there and, and a lot of people coming down? I mean, it's kind of crazy because when I think about it, I never actually went, I left when I was 18, so I never actually got a club in Australia till I came back into the playground. Like, So you came back to your own club? Basically, yeah. <laughs> like, like was we was, I was going to like little events, sneaking in yeah. fake ID stuff. So it wasn't my first club experience, but like first legally being able to come back, yeah, that was like my first time, but I'm doing it with these boys. Come on. And the, the first playground. one was Central C one? The oh, first no. one, uh, we did like a, no, nah, the first one was just like a, that was ages yeah, it, was, it wasn't like a um, artist or nothing. And then we did like the same week, we did that one. We did a Central C one in Melbourne, Trippy Red one in Sydney. Mm. It was like during, listen, it was literally this time last year. Yeah. yeah. But said playgrounds, like we're trying to bring the culture, just make it turn. Like I was throwing parties and DJing when I was like younger and it was kind of a good feeling like doing it again, but on like a real like proper business level mm-hmm. and just throwing parties and stuff, but yeah. You still coming through with more of those? Yeah, we about to do some very soon, like the next week or two. Come on. We're gonna get some Who announcements. Is it? Huh? Who is it? Yeah, I don't know when this will be out, so let's just drop Give it an anyway. Exclusive. Well, uh, we put, we doing the uh, little TJ one. Oh, hectic. In a couple weeks. Sydney? So we, yeah, Sydney. Come on. But we, we about to do those and then parse up a few more. I think uh, I'm probably gonna go back into DJing and start DJing. You gonna DJing give it a go? Yeah, yeah, why not, bro? I think I gotta get back on the decks for one of them. But you're yeah. still over in America just playing around with it or it's been something you've been away from? For I've time? been away from since I was doing the tour DJing like shows, mm-hmm. but because I've been just so focused on production, but like there's something I definitely want to get back into. I just haven't like put my foot down like, yo, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Man. Hey, if you need a hype, man, right here, <laughs> oh man. God, Big bro, energy right on stage. Here. Let's go. <laughs> All right, bro. We talked about everything you have done. What's like mm. a future goal of yours? Obviously, like you've said, you look forward. You, you, mm. you do your songs, you do your records, you move on. Is there any like goal that you haven't hit yet? Any artist you want to work with or any just specific goal that you're focused on right now? Damn. I mean, really my main goal right now is to really like break Z. This is mm. the kid I've been working on. I can't wait for, to, for the world to hear like the shit we've been making. I feel like it's going to like change a lot of music, like the music scene going on right now. But to me, that's revolutionary. So I want to do that. And like, I definitely just want to 
the one of my main goals in general is uh building like that bridge between the Australian and the American music industry cuz I don't know if I've I've ever spoken to you about it but we're we've been signing like Australian music producers Ooh. and like some of the boys you've been knowing like right now we have like Lau, Josh O'Brien they've been making crazy beats so I'm trying to sign them well I've already signed them but sign more and just build like the Australian leg of like the Grade A label so is this under yourself, your own thing, under Grade yeah. A? How does it work? Yeah, under Grade A, me and my, my partner, Nolan Riddle, mm -hmm. been working on, but yeah. So have you just got a plan to come out with a whole new sound for Australia or what, bro? It's not even coming with a whole new sound in Australia. I'm just trying to like show that Australian artists got to make stuff that's more palatable mm -hmm. to the global market, you know, whether it's like Afro beats, more R&B, hip hop, everything. I just feel like there's some flavor that's missing. And it's, it all comes down to like storytelling. So I think the, the Australian artist got to be better at just storytelling and like, because everyone has a story, it just needs to be told in the right way and like, you got to express it. That's the thing, there's a lot of different stories out here. You can just be yeah. a few suburbs over and have a completely different exactly, story, man. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Acting, man. Are you looking to sign Australian rappers as well or just producers for now? I mean, I have some artists that I've been looking into, but right now just producers and building that up and getting them like placements with American artists and all the rappers over there. Because I feel like once you start with the producers, when they come back here, it's like now they have artists like have more spotlight on who they should be working with. And I think it's just gonna like evolve the sound. Sure. Can you name any of the uh, rappers that you've been looking at or? I mean, like I told you, that's the Hill Kid, um, Lee's Crazy. Uh, who, who else some uh, artists we've been looking at, Tina? <laughs> you know, he's out, he's over here a lot, so he'd be tapped in. With <laughs> yeah, come on, someone's got to be, bro. You need a little help over this. I mean, side. day one, I really fuck with day one. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, female artist is Yasmina. It's crazy R and B singer. What's her name, sir? Her name's Yasmina. Yasmina. Um, the Larissa Lambert, she's fire. Beast. Yeah, she, she, she did that joint with R D. Yeah, the other day. Just the other week. Did you see oh, that really? triple J? Oh, the triple J thing. Yeah, yeah. I seen that. That was fire. Yeah, hundred percent, bro. So yeah, they're the ones I kind of I'm kind of fuck with right now. All right, future things, bro. Mm -hmm. All right, that's it, pretty much, bro. Like, what's looking forward? Personal stuff, bro. What What do you got looking forward to? What do you got coming up for yourself? Other than trying to break ZZ Sam, mate. What is it? <laughs> is it triple Z? ZZ? Uh, I mean, you call whatever it is ZZZ. We call him ZZ. All right, Z. Triple Z. Whatever. Other than breaking him for yourself, bro. What is what? Are, what do you got coming up moving forward, bro? Like business wise, or are you talking even, about just even like normal life, man? Personal wise, bro. Personal. I mean, shit. Just like I'm trying to spend more time with my family, come out here more often. I'm about to buy a house with my mom. And hey, that's, that's like it's like one goal I've been wanting to do for a long time. Spend some time with your son, bro. <laughs> <laughs> for <laughs> nah, those yeah, at home, I'm joking. joking. <laughs> he posted a photo with someone else who said was his son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, nah, that's my baby brother. So yeah, he's like one and a half. So I wanna be more involved in his life and like be wise growing up. Remember me because I'm always overseas. So you know. I, have that relationship and connection, but yeah. So what are you gonna do? Keep coming over more often? Is that the goal? Yeah, and I wanna, well, I wanna come here like every three months, four months, and like I wanna build a studio out here, mm. and really focus on like building the Australian scene. Cause I feel like now I'm at a point where it's like I built enough over there that I could really build a bridgeway and like close that gap, mm -hmm. and like show people over there what we have over here and just. Yeah. Come on, that's thing. it. All right, bro. Have you, given oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> have you given, given Mumsy your plaque yet? <laughs> my plaque. That's the thing. I haven't. I haven't brought it back. I'm about to. <laughs> I'm mad as fuck, but I told him I'm gonna get it. Yeah, we need yeah, a little fresh right. shipping. We need a. What? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you get another one made out here? Come on. Sure. Yeah, 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 come on. Anyway, appreciate you coming through, bro. I know you don't get to be appreciate out here all too often. Appreciate it being your first interview. All right. Nah, for sure. That's it, man. All right, it's take flight. It's Han. It's your boy Wings Twenty Four Karat Kev. We are.